This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where we talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation that I had with Perry Marshall. In this conversation, we talk all about the 80-20 rule, or what is also known as the Pareto Principle. We talk about what specifically the 80-20 rule is, and how can it apply in very practical ways across all aspects of our lives. Even if you're familiar with what the 80-20 rule is, I'm sure you will get something new out of this conversation, because I know that I did in talking with Perry about the 80-20 principle. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show, Perry Marshall. Welcome to the show, Perry. Great to be on. Great to make some people productive out there. Um, <laughs> more more mileage for less gas. And uh, thanks for having me. Appreciate You're welcome. That, that, that's a great way to put it, actually. So something a lot of people have probably seen in passing is this 80 slash 20 and they're wondering, what does that mean? And it's the 80-20 rule. It's also known as the Pareto principle. You're all about this. I'd love to hear you break it down simply, and then we'll dive deeper in, and then we'll go every which way we can in practical knowledge. Yeah, so the 80-20 principle is something that probably an awful lot of people have heard about, but it's way more powerful than most people realize. And I would be a poster child for this because when I was a sales manager at a company a long time ago before I uh, went out on my own, I was reading some book and it, it said uh, 20% of your sales come from 80% of your customers and 80% of your customers uh, are, sorry, 80% uh, of your sales come from 20% of your customers. So there's this kind of flip-flop inverse relationship. And I thought, well, that's a little interesting. And I, I actually went to QuickBooks. I printed out a sales report on pieces of paper and I got my calculator. I was like, yeah, sure enough, it's it's true. And then like, well, that's interesting. You know, like I thought, well, this is just a kind of a business rule of thumb that happens to be true for some reason. But I, I didn't really get it. And what happened later was I read uh, Richard Koch's classic book uh, called The 80-20 Principle, and he just made this kind of throwaway remark. It, it connected to something. I'm like, hey, w wait a minute. I, does this mean what I think it means? And, and I, I went looking around, and sure enough, it does. And so, so th there's two things about 80-20 that really, it's the center of everything I do in business. It's the most important thing you can know about productivity or cause and effect. Now, I mean, this is a big statement, right? I mean, 
cause and effect is you know, a pretty basic thing in the world, right? <laughs> you know, like, doesn't that control everything? It's like, well, yes, it does. And so, so there's two things about 8020 is number one, it's absolutely everywhere. So if you go to the ocean with a bucket and you drag it through sand, the sizes of the sand grains are 8020. The traffic in your town, 20% of the roads carry 80% of the traffic, the dirt on your carpet, 20% of the carpet has 80% of the dirt because 80% of the walking happens on that part of the carpet. Uh, the rooms in your house, uh, the size of the files on your hard drive, um, the checks that you write in your personal checking account or on your credit card statement or your business, it's all 80, 20. Okay. All of it. Uh, I mean, maybe not, all, all, but probably uh, three-fourths to nine-tenths of it is, it really is 80-20, okay? And the second part is there's an 80-20 inside every 80-20. So if 20% of your customers produce 80% of your sales, 20% of the 20% produce 80% of the 80%, which means 4% of your customers are buying 64% of your stuff. It means 1% of your customers are buying 50% of your stuff. It means probably, you know, some 0.1%, you know, some sliver, some microscopic fraction of your customers are buying 10 or 20% of your stuff. This is, uh, uh, so this is true in business, but it's also true of how you spend your time. So if, so most people are accustomed to thinking in terms of their time as dollars per hour, because that's the easiest way. And th there's nothing really wrong with it, right? It's the easiest way to, to just kind of think about time. Time is money. So, you know, let's say your time is worth $50 an hour. Well, it doesn't really work that way. Wh what's actually true is that most of your time is worth $10 an hour. And some of your time is worth $100 an hour. And a little bit of your time is worth $1,000 an hour. And a sliver of your time is worth $10,000 an hour. That's, that's how it really works. And it, it's a power law, which, which I can get into what that means. But if, if, if you actually wrap your head around this, you'll start to see tiny little hinges that swing big doors all over the place. When people read my book, 80-20 Sales and Marketing, the most common comment that I get is, oh my word, it's everywhere. I, <laughs> I, I read your book and like, I see it. It's like, it's out the window. It's in my car. It's, it's in my computer. It's in my checking account. It's, it's, oh my, it's everywhere. I keep, man, I keep blathering about this to like my wife and my friends and some of them look at me like I'm from Mars, but it's true. Wow, period. How did I miss this? You know, that, that's, um, that's the common reaction that I get. It's, it's a, uh, so if this becomes your next obsession, well, <laughs> welcome to your next favorite obsession. It feels like, especially when you said there's an 80, 20 inside the 80, 20. And then when you start saying you can see it everywhere, I, I totally can get that. And it feels like it's some kind of mind blowing sci-fi or twilight zone episode kind of a thing, right? Well, yeah, yeah, it is. It, it is, uh, it, it, and it's it's because it it really is a universal law of nature 
and um, culture almost by definition trains you to not see it. Um, so like you go to school and uh, the, the ideal the ideal student is supposed to get straight A's, right? Well, um, but so what's an 80-20 student? An 80-20 student is a student who gets um, a C in social studies, a C in history, a C in science, and an A in math. And he becomes a math genius. Okay, that that's 80-20. Uh, why? Because he spends 80% of his time doing a, a one class. Well, why should he do that? Because that's the thing that's going to propel him forward in his career. It's not social studies. It's not history. It's not, and everybody's, well, yeah, but we want people to be well-rounded. Well, sure, I get that. But which would you rather be in the marketplace or in your career? Would you rather be well-rounded or would you rather be spear point. Yeah. Laser focused even, you know? Yes. Laser, laser focused. Okay. And so, so the world rewards the, the laser focused person. Mark Zuckerberg wears a black t-shirt to work every day so that he doesn't have to make a decision every morning. Oh, what shirt am I going to wear today? Because he knows that you only have so much mental energy to make so many decisions and he'd rather make a hundred million dollar decision today rather than a 10 cent decision. And that, that really is laser focus. And you find that really high performance people are like that. They're a little bit savant like, and when you apply this to time management, you'll, you'll find this is extremely powerful because remember what I said, there's $10 an hour work, hundred dollar an hour work, thousand dollar an hour work. Well, by definition, there's 10 times more thousand dollar an hour work than ten thousand dollar an hour work and there's ten times more hundred dollars an hour work than thousand dollar an hour work and there's ten times more ten dollar an hour work than hundred dollar an hour work so you know ten dollars an hour there, there's a hundred times more of that than the thousand so it's really really easy to pack your day with filler and what it means you have to do is you well, what I do is I start my day by figuring out what I'm not going to do. And I figure out what I'm not going to respond to. And I figure out what I'm going to delegate. Um, now, my, so anything that I possibly can, I delegate to my, my personal assistant. She delegates stuff too. Now, I was just talking to her because I talk to her every day. She actually manages my email box. And so... She does most of my emails and then she talks, we talk on the phone every day and we talk through what she needs help on. And so I delegate, I've taught her to delegate, she delegates stuff. Well, she's in a theater show and she's talking to the husband of one of her theater people. Uh, he's in sales. He's, he's like a tech sales guy. And his managers are always getting on him because his sales reports are you know, maybe they're late or they're not done really neatly or like all this kind of bureaucratic stuff. And, uh, I told, uh, she told him, uh, I told him this once actually, cause I met him, but then she told him like, you should hire somebody to do that. Like, man, if you got a bunch of receipts or bills or expense reports or trip reports, whatever like that, like good grief, just like find a VA or, or hire you hire your wife or your daughter or your sister-in-law or, 
or, or your brother or your cousin or some, you know, somebody like to do that for you because your most valuable time is being in front of the customer, talking to them, making things happen, serving them, selling, closing deals, not doing expense reports for crying out loud. And, and so like, there's this, you know, kind of mentality. It's, it's totally pervasive. It's like, well, you got to do your work. Well, I got to do what's valuable and anything else is not my work that that could be somebody else's work. I'll just be responsible for making sure that actually gets done, but somebody else should do it. And, you know, most people don't do near enough of this. Uh, A lot of people don't do any at all. So when I, when I hear this explanation of the 80, 20 rule, I think to myself, okay, if out of the hundred percent of what I am doing on a regular basis, 80% of it isn't nearly moving the needle as much as the 20 is. Are you saying we should try to stop doing as much of that 80 stuff and start to delegate that or check and see if it's even needing to be done at all? Well, yeah. In fact, the way that you make 80-20 work is you start by subtracting the least important stuff. So some of it's not doing like a lot of 80, 20 is saying no. So I'm a people pleaser. I like to please people. Well, people pleasers get sucked into all kinds of stuff. Right. And, you know, pretty soon you're on 19 committees and you're doing all these jobs and you're reading everybody's book manuscript and you're meeting them for lunch. And like, it just, you know, it just goes on and on. Right. Like you, you, you just have to say no. Now, there's a lot of stuff. It absolutely has to be done. It just doesn't have to be done by you. So like my, my Tim Francis, my friend, Tim Francis likes, likes to say, uh, and he's an 80, 20 maven like I am. He says, uh, you know, when you go to Chipotle and you buy a burrito, whether you have a good experience or bad experience does not depend on the CEO. It depends on the guy who's wrapping burritos and he's making $12 an hour. That's who determines whether the customers have a good experience or not. Like wrapping the burrito is not optional, but the CEO sure as heck better not be wrapping burritos. <laughs> right. And, and so, and so first you have to take stuff off your plate. And I would say that most people, uh, a fourth to a third of what you're doing, you shouldn't actually be doing at all, like at all, at all. Okay. Like you should just have said no to it. Like that should um, be put on your, your not to do list. If you had 17 things on your to do list this morning, probably three or five or six it's bad for you that you're doing them at all and you don't even realize it. Okay. Like you're actually going backwards by doing that. Okay. Yeah. So for for example there, like for me, I already know that today on my not to do list, um, because it's a complete waste of time and it's probably like, it's actually probably worth like pennies an hour (laughs) to, to me in terms of like where it comes in as far as my trading time for dollars rubric, um, is for me not to check my personal social media throughout this day. Like I do it, I do it one time in the morning and I'm done. And then one time late in the day and then I'm done. I think social media for the most part now has negative value. Okay. So just to give you an idea, and uh, this is a very big deal. I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. 
I check Facebook about once a week. Well, now okay. You're, you're, now you're, uh, you're my hero now. I'm just- extreme. <laughs> okay. But, but look, um, I, people are mentally overloaded. Okay. Like people have too much stimuli to begin with. Just the fact that, you know, you have an email box and you have a text message and you have the telephone and you have your Skype calls and you, you're like, I mean, I know we all know the kinds of things that most people listening to this podcast are probably doing, you know, like your chain is getting pulled enough. Okay. But then on top of it, when you add that you, you can just open up Facebook or open up Twitter and get this barrage of stimulus. Here's what I find. It, it just fills your brain with chatter. And most of it, you can't do anything about like whatever crazy Trump thing that happened this week. Like you can't do anything about it, but, but your, your brain, I don't think your brain really knows the difference. Like Mm, at some, some level, some part of your brain is crunching. What are we going to do about this? What are we going to, what are we going to do about that shooting in Las Vegas? What are we going to, you know, like, and your brain just kind of chatters on that stuff. Well, this is why most people feel like the water level is just up to their eyeballs and they're barely, you know, like just barely keeping up with stuff. Okay. And so like the worst thing you can do in the morning is like the worst thing you can do in the morning is reach over, you know, you reach one arm across your face uh, under the nightstand and you grab a phone or a device and then start checking social media and emails. That is the worst way to start your day. It's the worst. Okay. Now I've got a whole bunch of, of, of customers that, that have gone through a thing that we do call 30 day reboot. And in 30 day reboot, we get people to agree. I'm not going to check social media until after 5 PM ever. Okay. And now I want you to keep in mind, I've got a lot of customers. They actually manage social media for clients. I, 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 I wrote ultimate guide to Facebook advertising. I lots of people, they do advertising on Facebook. They spend the money, but, but you have to make this very clear distinction. There's a big difference between being a chef in the kitchen and being a diner in the dining room at the restaurant. They're chefs. They're not, they're not they're making food. They're not eating it. Right. Okay. And, and so no social media, like the regular kind until after 5 PM and no more than 30 minutes a day. We, we get people to agree on that. And before you check email, before you do any of that stuff, you sit down with your notebook, your pen, pencil, piece of paper, cup of coffee and pray, meditate, center yourself plan your day, figure out what the big questions of the day are, figure out what your to-do list is. And you do all that before you even engage in any form of electronic media at all. Now that is a good way to start your day. That is a great way to start your day. And now that probably means that you're going to be diving into your day 30 minutes later than you used to that like that 30 minutes is not going to hurt you actually what it does it's like putting your armor on in the morning yeah. all right i got my gladiator suit i am now ready to face my day and i already figured out 
this is what's important. This is what I'm trying to get done. You know, this is the major project. You do the, you know, the big rocks first, like Stephen Covey always like to say, I, I do the big right, rocks first. And after that, then I start reacting to all of that other stuff because like most of the stuff that comes in on your email box at best, at best, it's hundred dollar an hour work. And frankly, most of it's like $10 an hour work, but it's not the thousand dollar an hour work. That's really going to move the needle. And there's a lot like there's more thousand dollar an hour or even $10,000 an hour work that's available to you than you realize, but you have to realize that, that your the value of your time obeys a power law that there's these, there's these little windows of opportunity or there's these very particular things like, okay, you do that and you will majorly move the needle on something. I just had a thought you're, you're talking about, uh, so one, the whole getting up, you know, maybe getting up 30 minutes earlier to make sure that you have that extra 30 minutes. That's, you know, because maybe you're going to be a slightly, maybe you'll be just a little bit more tired at first, but you'll get used to that. But two, you're going to get so much more done, or I should say, you're going to get so much more important things done by doing that. Um, Then it hit. It suddenly hit me when you were talking about these different, almost denominations of what an hour uh, of time is worth. I couldn't help but think of one dollar bills, ten dollar bills, hundred dollar bills, thousand dollar bills, mm-hmm. and I thought to myself, well, in my wallet, there's only physical space for a certain amount of these paper bills. Yes, but if the paper bills are, wor- are like it, it's it's more important for me to have my wallet full of thousand dollar bills and stuffed versus them all be ones. That's exactly right. That's exactly how your time is. And now, in eighty twenty sales and marketing, I I, I have this thing called the eighty twenty curve, and it's it's what eighty twenty looks like on a graph, and what it looks like if you put it on a graph, it looks like a ramp. Where, like, if you ever jump ramps on your bike or something when you're a kid, it's not where the the end of the ramp just kind of, you know, points up at a 30-degree angle. Actually, the end of the ramp goes up vertically close to, like, close to a vertical line and just gets closer and closer and it goes up into an infinity, okay? Now, and and so what what it says is that if you move the $1 bills out of the way, it makes room for tens, a hundreds and a thousands. And then you master that and you do that. Then you start moving $10 bills out and it makes room for $10,000 bills. And then you move $100 bills out and it makes room for $100,000 bills. Like that's really how it works. And, and we call it climbing the 80-20 curve. I mean, this is how people like Warren Buffett operate and function. They they realize that like very, very successful people realize that there's one or two decisions they're going to make that day that are very, very important and everything else is fairly trivial. And so a a great, great, like here's a, here's a million dollar question that you should ask yourself every day. What one thing if I got done today, if I accomplished this one thing today would completely justify me taking the rest of the day off and doing none of the other stuff. And sometimes it's like, pick a goal. Like 
Well, I know, I know you haven't even put this thing on your list at all, but you know, if you put this on your list and you got it checked off, you would kill all these other birds with the one stone. That's, that's how you should think about your time. I like that you put it that way where it's first about getting rid of the $1 things and then moving on to the next level and then moving on to the next level and so on. Because I think a lot of the times people these days, and again, going back to social media, they see people who are posting their highlight reels of, hey, look where I am or look what I did or look who I got to hang out with, et cetera, et cetera. And they don't realize that it's taken those people. Well, one, that some of that's fake. (laughs) But two, they don't realize that for those people who are legitimately enjoying doing less tasks or only those high dollar or high impact level uh, tasks, they have taken time over time to eliminate those lower level things over and over and over again. It's a process of refinement. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's something that works so well, it basically feels like magic. For me, I'm thinking air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, definitely. Meeting-free Fridays. What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your own shop stage to the first real store stage, you don't have to just sell your own stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from brands you love and give your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Shopify also helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36 percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to shopify magic your ai powered all-star sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash beyond again go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash beyond at evernorth health services we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. What this does is this creates space where you're going to deliberately insert 
other things into those space that's not busy work. So let me give you some examples. And the examples I'm going to give you, they're going to feel funny. They're going to feel odd. Okay. But an example of an 80-20 person is you make your one or two or three or four, five major decisions today. Okay. And then the cleaning ladies come over and you're reading a book with your feet up on the couch while the cleaning crew vacuums under your feet to a, to a normal, like Protestant Midwestern work ethic. That's like, you're, you gotta be kidding, <laughs> but I'm, I'm reading, I'm reading my magazine while the ladies vacuuming under my feet. It's like, well, yeah, she wants that job. And like at my house, we have cleaning ladies. They come over every Thursday. Okay. <laughs> and, um, they want the job like this platoon. I think it's four or five of them. They descend on our house. They're here for an hour and a half. My wife writes them a check. Everybody here wanted that job. Now what they're doing and what I'm doing have nothing to do with each other. All right. But, but I'm, I'm bringing this up because you have to not feel guilty about delegating. Right. Because cleaning my house is a $10 an hour job. And there's, and, it, and if you, you post something on Craigslist, come and clean my house for $10 an hour, people will be lined up. Right. But now, now here's, here's another one. You might use that time to take your daughter to the park or play Monopoly with her or something like that. And this is another thing about like the kind of Midwestern work ethic, by the way, I grew up in Nebraska, I live in Chicago. So I'm a very Midwestern guy. And Hey, generally, you know, I like the Midwestern work ethic, but there's kind of this dark side to it where if you're not doing something all the time, you feel guilty and you feel, well, you know, itchy and agitated. Like, Oh man, I ought to be doing something like, well, no, like, like how about you start your day in the morning? Like, like when I, when I do my morning journaling, prayer, meditation time, I actually make sure that about 10 minutes is just letting my mind drift to whatever, because I, and that's a very deliberate thing. Like I've got to center myself, not like wake up in a frantic mindset because frantic drags you down towards the dollar bills. Mm -hmm in a way from, from the, the big stuff, it, it, it frantic, frantic almost never serves you unless you're like, well, good grief. Even if you're like work for an ambulance, like even if you're like, you know, an emergency crew guy, you, you don't want your ambulance driver to be frantic. Do you No, you want him to get to you and get you and get you to the hospital quickest route. And and be level-headed yeah. and, you know, whatever those guys are doing, you know, when they strap you in, if they're, you know, taking your pulse or, or putting an IV, you want them to know exactly what they're doing and to be calm and level-headed. It doesn't do anybody good to, you know, to be in this, you know, frantic mindset all the time. Yeah. So one of the things that I do that I still justify not paying somebody to come do is mow my lawn. And the the reason I do that is because I'll listen to podcasts while I'm doing it. And so oh, okay. I kind of justify it that way. Well, you, you need to be, I, I think it's very important to have little systemic things where, you know, maybe, 
maybe you ride your bike or jog or something and listen to stuff, um, you know, or maybe, or maybe you, instead of driving to the store, maybe you walk to the store and that's exercise and that's part of your system for how, like there, sometimes doing time consuming things is very productive, but you have to be very, very deliberate about it. That's the point. And if you just react to stuff or you just do what, you know, most people do, like you're not, it's not going to do you any good. Yeah. It's a lot of this kind of boils down to in being intentional as well. Yes, absolutely. So not reactionary, but being intentional and being, um, I don't know, I guess ahead of the curve in a sense by doing that homework first thing in the morning, which is repeatedly something that, you know, we talk about in the show. So is there any way, you know, some, some people are thinking, okay, I, I get this. I think I understand it. I think I understand what I need to be doing in in terms of moving forward with this. How would you suggest Somebody who is in, say, a cubicle and wants to apply this to their workflow there so they can help their boss succeed more. So being 80-20 is almost always counterintuitive, countercultural, counter-corporate, okay? So like the guy I talked about who's a sales guy and needs to have his expense reports done by somebody, he probably needs to just hire somebody out of his own pocket because you have to be, you know, at a certain, you know, level in the corporate ladder before they're going to give you a secretary or whatever. So he should just hire him himself. Like, um, he's on commission. Okay. So, you know, he'll, he'll make more money, uh, if he does it. Secondly, it's really important to realize that all of us have peak productivity times in our day based on when we wake up and how our body's rhythms are. And most of us know what they are. For me, it's in the morning. Uh, it seems like for most people it's in the morning, but you're there, there's going to be about a two or three hour window where you're actually going to get 80% of the real progress on what you're doing. And the rest is not good, like in an eight hour day. So, hey, you know, when you go work somewhere, they expect you to put in an eight or nine hour day and you you should. But you should arrange uh, all of your your time and your scheduling so that you're really doing the most productive things during your peak mental efficiency and, and you're moving all of the other stuff at other times. Now, meetings. I've gotten a huge productivity boost by pushing most meetings to later in the day and later in the week. Monday morning and the first the first couple days of the week and the first hours of the day are the most productive times to actually get really important stuff done, whatever your highest value activity is. And so you should put that stuff there then. And then like, uh, you know, the committee meetings and the and the, you know, all that kind of stuff that should be pushed later. Now you may not be able to influence when your boss wants to have those kind of meetings, or maybe you can, that may be possible, but certainly if you're the boss, you should be very mindful of that because most people after the weekend, they come to work, they're very productive. And the best way to just put a stick in their spokes is to stick a Monday morning, 9am team meeting where everybody's, you know, it's like, man, I was just starting to, it was 8.55 and I was really just starting to get going. 
Okay. And, and now we're going to be doing that until 1030. Right. And then you get 1030 is like, where was I? What, what was I doing? You know, that meeting should be late Monday afternoon or maybe even Thursday afternoon. It shouldn't be Monday morning. Now, maybe meet, maybe you're in sales and, and meetings are like when you sell. Okay. So book your best meetings when you're at your peak mental efficiency. And, you know, maybe that's 830 in the morning. Great. Book your meetings at 8.30 in the morning. You should be uh, very mindful of that and um, and understand that as you get to be more effective, you will gain street cred that you need to get permission to arrange your day and your life the way that you want. They'll give you a wider berth the more effective you are. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. How do we apply this 80-20 principle towards, say, our home life? Okay, well... You know, 80% of your nurturing and value and positive uh, feelings and, and, you know, important stuff in life comes from 20% of your relationships and your friends. My friend and mentor, Dan Kennedy, says there's six handles on a casket. There's a reason for that. Okay. And, and, and if you have six good friends at the end of your life, you actually did pretty well. Well, so your six best friends are more important than all of your other friends put together. And, and certainly uh, it's almost cliche to say that about your family, but it's true. What I find I need to do, I like my kids are age seven through 21. And I find that uh, with the younger kids, I personally, I have to slow myself down and do things that I might not normally like just really feel like doing for myself, but they're good. So, so I don't have any particular interest in walking the dog with ZJ, but if I walk the dog with ZJ, that's a relationship builder with my 12 year old. And I may not want to play Uno with my seven year old, but you know what? That's a, that's a really good relationship builder. That means you have permission to say no to less important people in your life that are, that are crowding that out. I mean, you're, you know, out of your 256 Facebook friends, you know, 226 of them don't really matter that much. (laughs) Yeah. I think there's, uh, I'm going to rack my brain trying to think of this. There's like this 150 number. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. Oh yeah. It's like the average person knows like 155 people or something? Does yeah, that like in total right? that they can really actually be connected with at all. And maybe, so maybe that 150, um, if we, if we were to stretch, so if we were to say, so, so 80 and 20 is 100. Well, if we sw- stretch that 100 number into 150, yeah, the, the 80% and the 20% still applies. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, 80% of the value from the 155 people that you could actually realistically have a relationship with is in 30 of them. And 80% of the 80% is in 80, uh, is in 20% of 30, which is six. Yeah. Okay, so six, 30, 150. So almost all of your time and attention goes into the six and the 30 and almost none goes goes into the rest. Now, here, here's a really interesting one. Richard Koch, who wrote the 80-20 principle, he talks about this a lot. He calls it super connect. This is really valuable. And when Richard said this to me, I had to think for a while. 
And I realized that this had been a major thing that I had done in my life. Um, and I hadn't even realized it. He says, if, if you want a major step forward, um, like a, a promotion or a, a much better job or, or, or some kind of, you know, career advancement or, or breakthrough of any kind, it's most likely to come from a person who is a friend of someone who's at the edge of your network. Okay. So in other words, it's not going to come from your six friends because we're talking about breakthrough. Like your six friends probably have all the same friends you have. Okay. But let's say that you, you know, this guy at church or at the bowling alley or, or somewhere, and you know that he knows important people. Okay. If, if you, go and you don't know him very well. He's in, he's at the outer edge. If you have lunch with him or you go talk to him and you say, who do you know who needs somebody who, or has an opportunity like fill in the blank, the person that person connects you to is the most likely to give you a quantum leap. Or like you're going to be in Orlando in January and you want to have meetings with these certain people who, you know, who does that guy know in Orlando? That's a big step forward. That's, um, that, that's how I got my first sales job. I went, I went to a little trade show that was local here in Chicago is like these tech companies. And I started handing out my resume at this little trade show. And two days later, I get a golf from a guy who was talking to one of the guys at that show who had forwarded him his resume because he knew that guy was looking for a rep. Okay. And then I, I worked for that company for two years. That would be an example. I went to the outer edge of my network and then a connection came from somebody who was outside the outer edge, who was connected to the outer edge. You can use that very reliable. If you, if you need a job, if you're looking for a sales opportunity, um, I've, I used it to recruit judges for a $5 million technology prize I have for my other book, which is called Evolution 2.0. It's very powerful. In fact, I, I, I was exchanging emails with a Nobel Prize winner, and he says, oh, I'm too busy for this. I said, who do you know that would be a good choice? He gave me the names of three people. When I emailed those people, they all replied back to my email. They were all willing to talk to me. You can use this. It's, it's, it's extremely effective. It's probably worth, you know, listen to the whole show today all by itself. Yeah. I, so number one, that 150 number, it's called Dunbar's number. I knew, okay. I I, I just typed in 150 people in Google and that came up and I knew that I'd talked about it with other people before. And so I wanted to make sure I had a a proper, uh, terminology there for that. Um, what I hear you saying is that in terms of networking, it can be good for us to let go of some people over time or our acquaintances, things like that. However, if we are truly focused and we've got the right uh, priorities set in terms of our 150 people and our six people, et cetera, that it can be beneficial to still engage with though the, all the people in, in our 150 or even beyond to a certain extent, because 
there are opportunities out there that you never know uh, might be the right next thing or the right next connection. And so you don't want to just completely have like, uh, you know, boundaries set up to where you're never open to anything serendipitous. Oh, yeah. You know, most of your TLC is going to come from the comfortable and familiar. But you just have to realize there are times when you're decisively not looking for the comfortable and familiar. Right. And then you're going to go to the opposite end of the spectrum. Like, well, you know, how how far into the fringes of my sphere of influence can I go here? You know, people, different city, different religion, different company, different industry – Right. It's just more self-awareness. Those aren't the people that I'm going to lounge around with on Friday night, but they might be the people that give me my next breakthrough or merger acquisition or, or, or client or something. Totally. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of any other place here where this, this applies, but I think ultimately the landing place here is, you know, we've got to be on top of our priorities. We've got to really kind of do an audit of of our time and and our tasks and then maybe even start shaking things up little by little and getting rid of the things that we you shouldn't be doing and can delegate to others or defer or even stop altogether anything else that you can think of in terms of that process uh yeah there 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 is one other thing um and it's how you persuade and how you sell like everybody sells even if they don't sell because everybody has to enlist cooperation from other people. And after working in 300 industries and working with probably, you know, a couple thousand entrepreneurs that I've consulted with or coached with or, or whatever, um, I realized that I needed to make some kind of an assessment. So, you know how there's the Myers-Briggs and these other kind of personality tests and yeah. they actually can be pretty useful. I said, well, Nobody seems to have one on how you sell and persuade, how you market, how you enlist cooperation. And so I made this thing called the marketing DNA test and um, we sell it for $37 on my website, but there is a free back door inside 8020 sales and marketing book. And, and it says how, like, how do you sell and persuade? So some people tell stories and pluck your heartstrings and some people have numbers and graphs and spreadsheets and some people do it live in the moment. Some people, you know, they carefully edit a video or they craft a, an email or write copy or something like that. And, and so, uh, there's a, there's a backdoor bonus inside the book where you can take that test and okay. So what's 80, 20 about that? Well, out, there's, eight different modalities on that test. And out of the eight, two of them are probably how you most effectively sell and persuade. Like there's people, I call them hostage negotiators. You just throw them in a situation. They can, they can always figure it out. They don't even remember what they said, but they got the deal. You know, they got the person to agree, you know? Um, well, if you're that kind of person, then you shouldn't be like, uh, writing sales copy on a website which seems way too slow for your brain, right? Or vice versa. So uh, even, you know, 80% of your outcomes are going to come from 20% of your talents and your skills. 50% of your outcomes are going to come from 5% of your talents. And what that means is whatever that 5% is, you should just polish it, hone it, um, dig into it, take classes, get trainings, get coaching, whatever, 
because it's going to propel you so much farther than that other stuff. And you don't have to polish up your weaknesses. You can be the eccentric, unbalanced person that you are, and you can be very successful just being that way. That's yeah, that's a great place to land then. Uh, so Perry, it's been awesome talking with you. I'd love to direct people to where they can grab the book. Um, I'm assuming it benefits you most if they can get it straight from your site, or if not, I'm, I'm sure they can easily get it from Amazon or somewhere. Oh, yes. Well, the, the book, is it's on Audible, and it's in Kindle, and, and it's in softcover. But the best way to get it is on our website. If you go to perrymarshall.com slash 8020, you can actually save $10 on the book compared to what it would cost in Amazon. We'll ship it to you for $7 in the U.S., 14 international. And we actually give you some extra things that don't normally come with a book. And you can, you can learn a lot by studying um, the emails that you get and the way that we sell because it's, it's a very carefully engineered sales process that we use. So uh, perrymarshall.com slash 8020 in the U.S. You can get it for $7, including shipping. And the, the book will change your life. And whether you sell for a living or you just need to be more productive, there's a lot there. It'll, it'll change the way you see the whole entire world. You'll never see it the same. Yeah, and we only scratched the surface really in this conversation about what what is inside that book. So I'll link that up in the show notes. And Perry, it's been awesome talking with you. Thanks for being on the show. Well, Eric, uh, it was really a pleasure. And, um, you know, my wish for people who are listening is that you can just start saying no to a whole lot more things because that that will enable you to say yes to a very few things that are going to make almost all the difference in the happiness in your life. Awesome. Thank you, Perry. Thank you, Eric. So I hope that this conversation enlightened you a bit. If you were already familiar with the 80-20 rule or if you had never heard of it before and how practically applied it can be to your life. I know that I enjoyed this conversation with Perry. Make sure to check out the show notes for this episode by going to beyondthetodolist.com slash 205. There you can find the link to Perry's book and everything he mentioned about what was available there. Make sure also to check out the sponsors for this episode, Formstack, by going to formstack.com slash beyond. You can get a free trial as well as a promo code for 25% off your first three months. StoryWorth, go to storyworth.com slash beyond to get $20 off your subscription and... Set yourself up to get those stories from the family members that are the caretakers of those stories for your family. And FreshBooks. Go to FreshBooks.com slash to-do. That's FreshBooks.com slash T-O-D-O and enter beyond the to-do list in the how did you hear about us section to let them know I sent you and get paid more and faster from FreshBooks. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next episode.